If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John's Gospel, chapter 15. We want to spend our time this morning talking about fruitful branches. Fruitful branches. God desires all of His people to be fruitful branches. Jesus said He's the vine and we are the branches. There you go. If you didn't know that, you better go to VBS and they'll teach you the song and and you'll learn. We thought about doing a little skit, having the girls' ministry come and, and show the different fruits, but we said, no, we won't go with that. But if you would, John 15, and let's begin with verse number 1. And the Lord Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener, the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain or abide. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. And Now drop down to verse 16. Verse 16. Again, the words of Jesus, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I ordained or appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain or last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask. In my name. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to learn from the many truths that we might apply them to our lives and be encouraged in our faith. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Fruitful branches. In this famous passage that records the words of the Lord Jesus teaching his disciples, the topic here spiritual productiveness. It's discussed in terms of bearing fruit, being fruitful. In fact, 24 out of the 27 New Testament um, books in our Bible, fruit is mentioned in the context of being spiritually productive. And it is God's desire for everyone that calls on His name to be fruitful, to be productive in our Christian experience, showing that we really are His people. And bringing glory and honor to His heart and to His name. So never forget faithfulness and fruitfulness. Boy, those are two things that really please the heart of God and two things that really show yourself to truly be one of His. Now in this text, in this short teaching, actually it's the most exhaustive on this subject. And certainly this this image, this illustration will be something very common to the people of the day. The Jewish culture certainly would understand about vines and, and branches. So let's spend our time just walking through this teaching with this prayer in our heart. Lord, help me to be more fruitful for your glory. 
Now let's look at four elements of this story. Number one, the vine. Number one, the vine. The Lord Jesus is the vine. Verse 1 says, I am the vine. This is the last of his I am statements. The last of his self-descriptions. I am the vine. Jesus is the true vine, the Bible says. Others are merely imposters. They're counterfeits. Anyone that says, I am the way, you're an imposter. He is the only way. I am the vine. And only by being in Christ, united with Christ, committed to Christ, connected with Christ, the only way to find true and everlasting life. This is a symbolism similar to uh, I'm the head and you're the body. You see the connection. You see the true believer has a living relationship to Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. And our union with Jesus, it's a living union. It's alive. It's a living union. There's new life that is imparted when we come to Christ. And that enables us to live this life and to bear fruit for His glory. It's a living union. But oh, it's a loving union because this is not forced on any man. We came willingly. He died willingly in this relationship. We enjoy Him as we willingly abide and willingly walk in His Word. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. It's a loving union. And thank God it's a lasting union. Because if you're in the vine, you can be secure in this vine. The connection you have is sure. If you will continue to abide, you need never fear, for nothing can sever or separate you from His love. Nothing can keep you from the blessing of this relationship if you remain and abide in Him. So the vine, the Lord Jesus is the vine, but now the branches... He says in verse 5, I am the vine and you, my followers, you are the branches. Now, a branch by itself is kind of a weak thing if it's not connected to the vine. It's limited for sure. It's destined really to kind of shrivel up and wither because if it's severed, there's no life. There's no strength. The branch cannot produce its own life. It must draw that life from the vine. It's our communion with Christ through the Spirit, through the Word, that makes possible the bearing of spiritual fruit. The concept of union and communion. The key here, friend, is stay close to Jesus. Stay consistent in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Stay faithful in feeding and reading that Word, in attending his house, and obeying His commands of praying and serving, of enduring such prunings and confessing things to stay clean. And, and, and this continual walk will bear continual fruit. Notice, if you would, in verse 4, how Jesus said, Remain in Me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must. It must. Remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, continued production depends on constant union with the source of fruitfulness, and that's the vine, and that's Jesus. The effectiveness of you and I as believers depends on um, receiving that constant flow of the life of God as we walk with Him and abide in Him. A severed branch is soon to die. A severed believer, it's only a matter of time. There's a withering. There's a falling away because they're cut off from the life that sustains them and keeps them. In the same way that branch needs the vine. I need Christ and so do you. 
Take a little deeper the word branches. Under this word, we see the abide or remain. In fact, 11 times in these handful of verses, you'll see abide in me, remain in me. That means to continue. That means to endure. That means to stay there. Can't be uprooted and go, uprooted and go, uprooted and go. No wonder why there's not any kind of fruit. Business stunts to the growth, but it's the abiding and the remaining. To keep our fellowship with Christ so that His life can work in us and through us to produce His character and His conduct, His will and His works. And that connection is maintained by the obedience to that Word and that devotion in prayer. Again, verses 7, verse 7, If you remain in Me and My words, Now mark that down. We'll get back to that. And my words remain, remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Now verse 10, if you obey, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands, and remain in His love. The connection, the abiding is maintained by our obedience to that Word and our devotion and prayer life with the Savior. To remain in Christ is to allow His Word. To remain is allowing it to become our governor, our ruler, the one that guides us, the one that watches over us. To remain in Christ and to allow His Word to remain in you means a personal and very practical acceptance of the authority of His Word over our lives. The Word of God governs me as I submit to it. Now, this is important now. Because if you take out the Word of God and your submission and commitment and surrender to that book, it's the Word keeps me honest. Don't ever forget that. The Word keeps us honest. If we get away from the Word, we get into this subjective, feely thing that the New Age and all that years ago brought in. But now you see it mainline, even in our churches. Jesus is very careful. You remain in me. My Word better remain in you. Because it's my Word that will keep you honest. What do you mean by that? Well, you can run into many people. How's it going with the Lord? Oh, I'm just fine. Yet they're living very clearly inconsistent to the Word. And what's happened is they've neglected the Word. And we're going to go by feel. I feel. So Jesus is very clear. So no, 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 no. It's more than just you feel. It's more than just you used to. You have to abide in my Word. That means you're submitting to my word. And the word of God is that clear, objective standard that keeps us honest and keeps us on that straight and narrow. It's so easy in this present age of, oh my Lord, to you see someone, they're walking crazy, they're backslid and they won't even admit it. But they're holding, I don't feel bad. Well, if you'll try to abide in the Word, you're going to feel bad if the Word says one thing and you're just living totally the other. Can you say amen? Notice Jesus, if, 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 there's a lot of ifs in here. And if means you and I do have a choice. We can or we don't have to. There's an if. There's something on my end. And one of the things, I will abide in Him and I must allow His Word to become the rule. And the governor of my life. Now, if you're going to be a Christian, you don't have to be a Christian. But if you're going to be a Christian, a Bible Christian, a real Christian, you're going to be a Christian. You know, when, when our kids were little, 
it was easy for the little one to look at the older one and say, you're not the boss of me. If you're going to be a Christian, that word of God is going to be the boss of you. Go ahead and say amen. If not, be at that altar before you leave. Because if that word is not the boss of you, you're in a deception. And you're severed and you don't even know it. Jesus said, if you abide in me, well, that's kind of, we can get feely about that. We can kind of conjure that up. And my words abide in. Oh. I submit to the word. Then I have constant contact, communing in prayer and daily devotion with my Lord, the vine. And just as a branch depends entirely on the vine for life and for growth, for sustenance, for fruit, so believers depend completely on Jesus Christ as the source of our life, our production. That's why he warned them in verse 5, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're severed from me, you can't live on a memory. You can't live on a past experience. This thing has to be present. It has to be abiding. It has to be remaining. It has to be continual. That's how the life of God flows. Abiding in Christ. It speaks of both our privilege and our responsibility. You see, our union with Christ, our sonship, was accomplished when we trusted Him as Savior and Lord. Our union with Jesus came the moment we called on His name, repented of our sins, received Him as Savior and Lord. We became sons of God. That's our union. But our communion, our fellowship, is a moment by moment, day by day, daily experience. Let me pause and let's touch on that again. As believers that are going to be the branches that bear fruit and bring glory to the Father, that live lives that prove to the world we really do belong to Jesus, well, we have a, both a privilege and a responsibility. The privilege, the responsibility, obviously, is my part. I have to do the if. I have to be devoted. I have to have the discipline of devotion in my life to serve the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to obey the Lord. But let's focus for just a bit on the glorious blessings and the privileges that you and I tap into when we choose to abide in the vine who is Jesus Christ. When you choose to live with Christ and walk with Christ, when you choose to get serious with God and let that Word hide in your heart and draw near daily to commune with Him and be filled afresh with Him, when you do your best to walk in His ways, you are connecting your life with the very dynamo of heaven. It's a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing. You are connected with the very life of God. That's when you can run and not grow weary because they that wait upon the Lord, they that learn that embrace the Lord and draw near to the Lord, you get a renewal and exchange change of strength daily by daily as you draw near to God. He draws near to you and He gives you the bread you need for each and every day. It's in our communing and our abiding. We tap into the heaven above that gives us strength for every day and every challenge and every situation. That's the beauty of abiding in the vine. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. And the power of God works in and through my life. That's why 
why we can handle whatever life brings against us. That's why we can rise up whenever we fall down. Because we're not living it on our own strength. We're not living it out of our own determination. But we are connected. We have tapped in to the very life of God. And His Spirit is within us. And therefore, if you're here today and you're a believer, and you might be saying, man, I'm going through it, Pastor. I don't know if I can make another step. I want you to know the devil is a liar. Just stay connected. Just stay connected. And the grace of God will carry you. And the power of God will work in you and through you. Someone saying, Pastor, I fell down and I don't even want to try again. Oh, don't you listen to your fears. Don't you let your frustrations win. You just keep looking to Jesus. You keep leaning on those everlasting arms. And He will carry you. And He will help you. And He will bring you through somebody. Say amen. Hallelujah. Learning to lean, learning to lean. It's the same imagery, same thought. Learning to lean on Jesus. And when I lean, I find more than I've ever dreamed. Why? Because you're connected to God. When you're trying to grind it out, you get frustrated and you're weary. And then the flesh says, well, forget it all and you just wither and die. But if you're reminded, it's no longer I that liveth, Christ lives in me. If you're reminded, I'm abiding in the vine. And I might feel exhausted. I might have fumes in me. But I am connected to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And with Him, I can run and not grow weary. I can walk and not faint. In fact, I can rise up on the amazing grace of God and soar when others want to hold me down. Oh, glory be to God. Abiding in the vine, there is wonderful privileges as well as responsibilities. But you know this, but those are you that have walked with God. The responsibility is so little compared to the glorious privileges that we enjoy the benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not those benefits. Don't forget them. Remember them and rehearse them and rejoice over them and walk out in them and claim them and embrace all the benefits of His healing and the benefits of His mercy, the benefits of forgiveness, the benefits of guidance, the benefits of God lifting us up on those wings like eagles and carrying us on. There are vine. His name is Jesus. There are branches that you and that's me. And now there's the vine dresser or the gardener. If you have the old King James or New King, the vine dresser. I said to one of my boys, you know what a vine dresser is? He goes, I guess it's someone that dresses a vine. I said, you got it. You got it. Vine dresser. The gardener. That's the father. Look at verse 1 and 2. Jesus said, I am the vine. All right. Jesus is the vine. You better have your trust in Christ. If you're connected to your good works. You're not going to make it. If you're connected to the Blessed Mother, you're not going to make it. If you're connected to Muhammad, you're not going to make it. Jesus, I am. I am. And we are the branches. If you're saved, if you come to Christ, now we're a branch. A branch by itself is going to wither and die. But oh, when it's connected to the vine. Amen. Look out. Look out. Look out. But now the vine dresser or the gardener. Verse 2. Uh, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me. He's dealing with us that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. All right. The gardener. 
is in charge of caring for the vineyard, caring for the vines. Jesus said that's the work of the Father. And because the Father desires both quality and quantity, He prunes us and He cleanses us who are the branches. I read a line this week, you get what you pay for. And there was a sign in a repair shop window that said, we do three types of jobs. Cheap, quick, and good. Now, you can have your choice of any two. A good, quick job isn't cheap. A good, cheap job isn't quick. And a quick, cheap job won't be good. Again, you get what you pay for. You're going to pay for quality. Quality is going to cost you. Can you say amen? And God desires quality in His people. Dr. Wiersbe writes, Many Christians pray that God will make them more fruitful, but then they don't enjoy the pruning process that follows. When I read that this week, I said, I'm ouch. What's a mouth? That's a mixture of amen and ouch. That's kind of a combination. I read it and I said, amen, ouch. Amen, because I was thinking of you, ouch. I was thinking of me. But for all who desire to grow, I hope I'm talking to the majority, maybe, maybe not, but for all who desire to grow and be productive, fruitful Christians, This cannot be avoided, and no one is exempt. And there are two aspects of pruning. In one here, he removes the dead wood, but he also trims off the live wood so that it would produce even a better crop. Now, I've got to confess, when I was young, a teenager, and um, early days of, of Bible school, I didn't like that second part of the verse too much. Now, why should I get punished for doing good? I mean, it makes sense, of course. It makes sense that he would remove that which is detrimental or dangerous from our spiritual life. God will do that. If you say, Lord, I want all of you. I'm going to give you first place in my life. If you really mean that, he'll begin to... It makes sense, though, that God would get rid of dead wood. That bad habits would be stripped away. That priorities would be reordered. That values would have to change. Even at times that he would... Um, the removal of relationships that are hindering rather than advancing our growth. That makes sense even to the novice believer. But I mean the second part. You see, the Father doesn't stop there, Jesus says. He goes on and then prunes even the seemingly good areas. Removing anything that would maybe sap our spiritual energy. Stunt our growth, allowing spiritual life to be better conserved and harnessed and focused and directed for greater fruitfulness and glory to His name. This this process, it's in the picture of pruning. So much out there, and God says, really? If you want my best, you need to be better focused. You need to have your energy channeled. You need to have your affections put in the right place. And this process 
of God pruning us, even in the areas that aren't sinful, but but they're just areas that God says, I need to prune you there, so ultimately you can be what I've called you and ordained you to be. This process brings a maturing, a mellowing. It's a deepening process. It's hard to get deep when you're... Hard to get deep. It's an enriching process. But you're no longer wasting. And you can take that energy and channel it to that which is really matters in the heart of God. It's enriching. It's educational. Because when God prunes you and you go through it, Lord, teach me your ways. There's typically lessons in the prunings of God. And sometimes we don't like it at first. And we pout. We pout. Listen, I've seen 50, 60-year-olds pout. You, you think they're on the playground, amen, and so on, got in line of the swing. They pout. But when we look back, we can say, yeah, Lord, I guess I, I kind of see why you, I can say, I, I wasn't crazy about it then. You know, I really won that 18th golf, golf trophy with the boys, and I, I could really see why it was more important for me to finally get going and start teaching the Sunday school class. But, man, now I'm touching these young people, and this really matters. Like, I need another trophy. I mean, you know, come on. When I was a child, I, yes, all right. Talking about the maturing process of him pruning his God's desire and quality within our lives. There's a maturing, it's a mellowing, there's a deepening process. It's enriching, it's educating, it's evaluating. And we begin to learn. But you can look back and see what God took away and we start to learn from it. And we learn to evaluate things from heaven's perspective. It helps me to focus. Because I got too many branches. You're always here. You're going there. And God says, enough already. I want you to focus on that which really matters to my heart. We begin to get revelation and understanding. Because it's really hard to grow in knowledge when we're trying to figure this out and that out. And God says, you know what? I'm going to focus you. And I'm going to get rid of some distractions for you. And I'm going to allow the strength you have and the hours that you have and the effort that you have to be channeled in that which pleases me, to be channeled in the direction I've chosen for you to take and to grow in. God desires not only a quantity in our lives, but a quality. And sometimes that can be challenging on the old nature. But we want to be who He's called us to be. And we want to live lives that bring Him glory. We say, Father, have Your way. The vine is Jesus. The branches. Believers, the vine dresser, the gardener, that's the father. And then the fruit. Now, under fruit, let's not confuse. Let's not confuse fruit with results. They're not the same thing, and we don't have time really to to explain all that. But you can see results that aren't exactly godly fruit. You can see merely a numbers thing that might not have the depth in the richness of the Spirit upon it. But under fruit, two thoughts here. The importance of fruitfulness. Again, this is the teaching of Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. How He desires that we bear much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. Bringing Him glory. Showing the world we really are followers of Jesus Christ. So number one, we're going to look at the importance of fruitfulness. But number two, the picture of fruitfulness. When the Bible speaks of something as fruit, what is the Bible talking about? So number one, four reasons why fruitfulness is so important. Four reasons. Number one, fruitfulness is the mark. The mark that you're a genuine believer. Fruitfulness is the mark. 
That's what verse 8 says. And this, they'll, they'll know, they'll know, they'll know you belong to me by the fruit. You'll, they'll know your Father is glorified and you show yourself to be my disciple by, by the life you live. You see, the proof of discipleship is fruit bearing. And this statement coincides with the words of Jesus when he said, by the fruit you'll recognize them. You see, salvation is not reformation, it's transformation. Salvation is not merely just renewing and improving the old. It's receiving a new birth and a new life and a transformation. That which our life produces is an indication of the kind of life we possess. I produce what I am. That's why we love so much the verse in 2 Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, in the vine, they're a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all things become new. They become new in quality. They become new in consistency. They become new in character. This is the life of God now that's producing the results of our lives. Fruitfulness is the mark that we really are believers. Fruitfulness is the motivation behind the Father's discipline in my life and in your life. And Hebrews tells us He disciplines those He you know that verse. Yeah. This is something every one of us, we go through who really are in the vine. This is for those in the vine. Are you in the vine? Have you received Jesus? Are you a Christian? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Have you received Christ? Are you in the vine? If you're in the vine, then this is something every one of us goes through. God allows things. God initiates things. It's through His Word. It's through trials. It's through testings. It's through life. Through the Spirit's dealings. And He prunes us to improve us. And He does it because He loves us. He desires the best for us. And again, you go to Hebrews. And I put the notes up there that you can write them down and study them. Time doesn't allow us to look everything up. But Hebrews 12. Endure discipline like a father disciplining a son knowing he's doing it for your good. He's doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because ultimately it's going to be for your benefit down the road. Hallelujah. Fruitfulness, we said, is a mark. It's a motivation. Fruitfulness is the, um, the method or the manifestation of how we touch others for Jesus. Now we glorify Christ or properly represent Jesus in the earth. Because fruit is not for fruit, like we say before. My gift is not for me, it's for you. And your gift is not for you, it's for me. And the bearing of fruit is not so I can say, look, aren't I a lovely fruit basket? No, you're a fruit, but not, not like that. You, you bear fruit so someone else can enjoy it. You produce fruit of generosity, of sacrifice, that others might be blessed. And fruitfulness is the method that we touch our world for Christ. When Jesus overflows from our lives and we minister to others, we reveal Jesus to the world. You see, the life, this life of Christ in the believer, this life expresses itself in good works of acts of compassion, generosity, kindness, and service. The works I do shall you do also. Fruitfulness. Is a mark, it's a motivation, it's a method. It's a means of glorifying the Father. Again, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. 
when we become productive disciples of Jesus, when the world can really tell there's something different about that person, the life they live, the words they speak, the way they behave, when we truly become productive disciples of the Lord Jesus, properly representing Him, the Father is glorified. The Father's heart is well pleased. So four reasons why it's important. Now let's look quickly. What is this fruit? What is the fruit? When the Bible talks about fruitfulness, what is the picture the Bible gives us? Number one, fruitfulness is we start out at the beginning. Let's, before we hit anything else, fruitfulness is Christian character. It's Christ-likeness. It's what we are. If, if, if um, fruitfulness is the qualities of the Lord Jesus in and through my life, it's being conformed into His image, it's His Spirit shining through us. For example, Galatians 5, and 23. Very simple. But the first thing is Christian character. By the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. So we talk about bearing fruit. The most important thing, number one, is living the life of Christ. Allowing the character of Jesus Christ to become my character. To allow the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and these attributes to become mature and abundant and consistent in my life. Secondly, it's not only Christian character, it's Christian conduct. Because when I have His character, I should have His behavior. And I should be doing the things that He would do. So it's not just what you are, it's what you do, the conduct. It's our conduct with our fellow man. It's our conduct or our good works in the service that flows out of a heart that's been touched by Jesus. It's a love within us. That can't stay within us. This it must do. And it must help. And it must live a certain way. Colossians 1 and verse 10. Colossians 1 and verse 10. And here's a wonderful prayer. And we pray this. In order that we may live a life worthy of the Lord. If we are to live lives that are worthy of the Lord. If we're going to please Him in every good way. It includes bearing fruit. In every good work. That means our lives are producing something. Our conduct, what we do is an expression of what Jesus would do. What we do is expanding the will and the kingdom of God in the earth. It's part of bearing fruit. If I abide in the vine, I can't escape feeling what He feels and seeing things like He sees things. And there's a motivation within me as His ambassador, as His Son, the works He did. I want to do those works. I want to conduct myself in a way that properly shows the world a pattern and an example of Jesus Christ if He was here in the flesh. Fruitfulness. Character and conduct and contributions. And this is our giving. Not just what we are or what we do. It's what we give. And I'll give you the verses up there. We won't look at them. But as we express ourselves, and sacrifice, and generosity, and love, and we meet the needs of others. We can see the verses in the Bible talk about our offering as being a fruitful sacrifice. Our giving 
for the cause of Christ and to help the needs of others. God says that's fruitful. God says that's an expression of a changed heart and a changed life. Because we know the one we serve is the greatest giver there ever has been or ever shall be. He gave His only begotten Son. And when you have that Spirit within you, you take on the nature of the One that saved you. So there's not just um, character and conduct and contributions. And then, of course, there's communication. When you abide in the vine, you talk different. Can you say amen? When you abide in the vine, there's a different desire within your heart that wants to be expressed. When you abide in the vine, the divine life of God within you wants to be expressed through you. And one of the chief things that happen when someone truly gets born from above, there is a desire to praise and to worship and to thank and to honor this great God. When someone can truly recognize they have passed from death unto life, that their sins and lawless deeds God remembers no more, that they are saved and they are accepted and they have been received into the family of God. There's something so beautiful that takes place when the Spirit of God comes within. The expression overflows. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. When your heart is full of Jesus, your mouth overflows and utters His praises. Speaks His language. We get a new language when we get saved. Isn't that right? Most of us wouldn't want to hear each other speak before we knew the Lord. But since Jesus came in, I learned a new language. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Our praise flows from a heart. And it's a precious fruit to the glory of God. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says that nicely. Through Jesus, through Jesus, God stay in the vine. You ever notice when you start getting severed in your walk with the Lord, you get grumbly? Don't look around. Look here. Look here. You get weary. You start talking different than when you're right in that vine and you're flowing in it. Mm. You start thinking different. When you stop getting away from that word and getting away from that quiet time, abiding in the secret place of the Most High, when you drift a bit, you get on the fumes and all of a sudden you start talking a language you'd rather not. You begin to think in ways you'd rather... Oh, but through Jesus, therefore, through the life that flows through that vine, through that union and communion, With Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice in offering an expression of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name, that call Him Lord, that honor Him, and that bless Him. It's what we say as well as what we do. And the last point is converts. Converts. What is fruitfulness? When we study the Bible, obviously it's character, and that, that's number one. That's the sign of that new birth, that new creation. But it's also our conduct, because if I'm new inside, I'm going to live different outside. Amen? My conduct changes. First, my heart. If you ever try to do it in reverse, you're going to be a frustrated person. Isn't that right? You ever try to live like a believer before you were a believer? That is a frustrated thing. Trying to live right when you still got an old nature. But once the nature has changed, 
Oh, now it makes living it. The conduct changes. From the conduct comes contributions. Because the heart of him who gave is very best. The one who loves to bless and be generous and be kind is in me and I want to bless others. And we bless with our time, our talents, our treasures. But then a communication. Because again, from the abundance of the, the mouth is going to speak. And when this heart gets full of Jesus, it wants to bless him and it wants to bless you. It wants to bless God and it wants to bless man. Oh, yeah. And then there's converts. Again, we can go through the word of God and we see the word fruit. I want to harvest among you, Paul said. Jesus, the harvest is plenteous. Go out there and reap. And that's fruit unto God. And with that, we ask ourselves, let me do my part, Lord, to win souls. Let me do my part. Everyone has different opportunities. Everyone has different giftings. We can give. We can pray. We can speak to the waitress when we're at Denny's. We can go as God leads us into the foreign field. We could talk to the people on the job. But when you really meet Jesus, there's something in you that wants to tell others the good news of a great God who is full of mercy and full of love. And that's another fruit that should flow from every believer's life. We don't want to go alone. We want to bring people with us. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And it's God's will for each one of us, not just to be branches, but to be fruitful branches. That He would be glorified. His will would be done. And our lives would have both the quality and the quantity of the life of Christ and what it produces. So let's make it our goal this morning. I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just go through the motions of religion. I don't want to just go through Jesus I want to draw near to you. I want to stay close and consistent with you. I want to feed on your word. I want to draw near to prayer. And I want to live out the life you've put within me. We make it our goal to be fruitful branches. This pleases the Lord, brings glory to the Father. Again, let our, let's be earnest. Effort in abiding, in communing, and obeying. Let's endure the pruning. Pruning never stops. Pruning can be frustrating. But we all go through pruning. And we have to be able to step back and remember, Father, ultimately you mean this through what's better. Ultimately you know what's best for me. And it's like a parent raising a child. Many a time you had a discipline and you had to say no to things. And they didn't understand, but you knew it was for their best. You knew down the road it would be worth it. And they couldn't see it. And sometimes it takes years later. It's amazing how my dad got a lot smarter the older I got. It's just amazing. He wasn't that smart when I was 16 or 17. Man, by the time I hit 37, he was a real smart guy. He really, he really had, it, he had, he had it going there. And uh, so the Lord does that to us. And so when that happens, I, I don't want to uh, allow the hissy fit of, of a child. I want to be a mature believer to the Lord. I might not see it all, but you do it. You love me and you want what's best for me. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to press on. So may the fruit of our salvation be clearly seen and increasing in our lives. Now, we're going to pray the final prayer and sing our final song. And if you're here today, and if you're here and things are not right between you and the Lord, you might never have received Jesus personally and made a personal commitment 
to receive Him as your Savior and your Lord. Well, I'll give you the opportunity. People will be here to pray with you. And we're going to sing and it's going to be easy to come down. Come down and receive Christ. Get in the vine. Start a union with Jesus Christ. and It will change your life from here through eternity. Or maybe you're just here and if you're honest, you say, I, I know I'm saved, but man, uh, I haven't been abiding like I ought. I've been kind of ignoring and kind of pouting at the pruning. And I just, and maybe it's time to say, Lord, I need to make a fresh start. I want to get back into serving you wholeheartedly. No more excuses. I don't want to be lackadaisical anymore. I want to be diligent in my walk with you that my life might bear much fruit for your glory and for your name. And if you're here today and maybe you just need prayer, maybe you're um, just going through it, you have a special need, and you'd like a brother or sister just to pray with you, please, please, we invite you, come. And we love to pray one for another. Maybe you need a physical touch. He'll touch your body. Maybe you just need to spend some time calling on the Lord, having people pray with you just because you need to be encouraged and refreshed. Well, that's what we're here for. His house is called a house of prayer. Yeah, we pray one for another and we lift him up. So as we open these altars, whatever your need is, please come and take this opportunity to let God touch you. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love You. We thank You, Lord, for Your life that lives within us. We thank You, Lord, that the same Spirit that raised You dwells within us. We thank You, Lord, for the privilege of union and communion. Help us, Lord, to bear much fruit that You would be glorified, that Your name would be honored in our lives and through our lives. Father, help us to abide and remain close to Jesus, loving His Word, feeding on that Word, drawing near daily to commune and to worship. And now, Father, I pray that You would bless the dear ones that are here today. You know we're all, we know where we're at, Father. You know where we stand. You know every need. You know every situation. Father, I pray that You are speaking to people by your word and your spirit, you are personally addressing things, personally encouraging areas, personally laying the spiritual challenge before your people. Now, Father, as we open these altars, we pray let your gifts flow. Let streams of healing virtue flow in a mighty measure. Let those that are hungry and thirsty for more of you let them be filled to overflowing as they draw near and look unto Thee. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, let Your showers fall, let Your wind blow, and let Your mighty power be released as we praise You and as we seek You. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, let's sing this song one time through. Let's give Him praise. If you need prayer, come now. Come now, and God will touch you, and God will work in your life.